Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Come to us on this Monday, because we are the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year, and you don't even call me Godfather. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. I am uncomfortable with the Italian impressions here. <laughs> I'm Anthony. This is Italian-American. <laughs> Oh, man. What an odd way to start a Christmas podcast. Supposedly, I'm Italian. It's fine, Anthony. Well, I'm not, I'm, I, won't, I won't accuse you of cultural appropriation. No, I think I'm fine. My, just, my, Ju- my, my, just Julia. Just me. My, my, my grandmother on my father's side was supposedly Italian or something. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll let Julia off, though, since I, say, I tend to say y'all now, and I don't want to culturally That's appropriate That's not cultural appropriation. That, okay, one. That is not the Midwest, that is the South. Yeah. Let's get that straight right now. That's Texas, that's, that's the South. The Midwest does stuff like like you guys, and don't you know? Ewan's. That's Ewan's. popular. All right. How's everybody's week? I mean, y'all is just the world's most effective conjunction. You know, it is. I, I watched Vengeance again, this time with Sarah, that movie. And it makes me think of you guys because uh, <laughs> uh, the woman in it... <laughs> From Succession, Jerry from Succession, y'all. Jay Cameron Smith, love her. Um, she she's the mom of the dead ex girlfriend in it, and uh, she constantly tells B.J. Novak, "Bless your heart." And of course, three quarters of the way through, B.J. Novak's like, "Like you know what? I know what that means now. So you bless <laughs> your heart too." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we have we have this artist friend. You know her, Julia, Kate from Little Things Studio. And she has the most adorable Southern dialect you've ever heard. And I swear she can say something as mean as pot, as mean as can be, not that she would. And she just, and it was bless her heart and everybody be perfectly fine with it. And I wish I could get away with that, but I can't Um, bless my heart. I love it. Yeah. Vengeance. Highly recommend it. Y'all a good black comedy. Okay. Starring BJ Novak and written by BJ Novak, who is pretty funny and smart who did you say the mom was jay cameron smith oh what just happened oh you're sharing oh look at her yeah i saw that i can't believe how old she got i know ellie started school ellie started school they uh tomorrow's a big day for her y'all hi what's the big about it she gets to do her first ever cafeteria lunch. Oh, that oh. is a big day. That's and a big every, day. I think universally we all know what Friday is for school lunch, right? Pizza. Friday is pizza day. Pizza day. Yeah. She's so stoked. Is it, is it square pizza? Like it I tends to be in the cafeteria? I hope so. 
Me too. I hope so. That's really years, that'd be the full experience. A few years ago, I found like square pizza at Walmart that was just as like cheap and crappy as it was in elementary school, and it was made me so happy. Uh, yeah, so she's getting to do that, and I'm so excited. We put money on her lunch card. I um, can't. When I saw that picture, though, I could not believe how old she got. She was a baby when we started this. I know. I know. My baby's all grown up. Like, not just old. Like, she looks, she, like, her face is, like, so mature looking. Like, can't believe that. Baby. She's lost all her baby chubs. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me sad. Sad step. Oh. Anyway. Yeah, so good. that's what we've got. How how was first day of school for Jude pre-K or K? Kindergarten. Yeah, K. he it was good. He's exhausted at the end of the day, but his favorite, so they have specials, right? So on a three-day rotation, they do gym and then they do um, music class and then they do computers and computers is his favorite by and large. Mm-hmm. He's like, I like computers best. And I was like, that will serve you well. <laughs> so yay. But no, he loves it. He's having a ton of fun in there. That's awesome. Yeah. It's good. It's a good year. Oh, so what have you been up, up to, Anthony? How was Nothing. your first day of school? <laughs> awesome. oh, Larry's first day of school. <laughs> But yeah, you know what? My first day of school, being back in that back to school traffic mm-hmm. sucks. Yeah, that's no fun. But you know what? We're almost at Halloween. Well, fall. And I'm sipping I'm my pump- go ahead. pumpkin spice latte here. All good. And a Hocus Pocus cup. Yeah, I got all my of Hocus course. Pocus gear from Spirit Halloween in the mail today. And it's gorgeous. I win the mug game tonight, though. Mm, that Midler's not on that mug, Tom. What is, though? <laughs> uh, this is the brand new, custom-made, Tis the Podcast, hand-thrown mugs that we will be selling. Got them in, stop, in hand early. That's so exciting. I can't wait to get my hands on one or two. Yeah, we need to figure out how many you want. Both of y'all. Um, I'm Julia. I'm Julia. I'm drinking water like a healthy, responsible human being who's not caffeinating herself up. At the hiccups. Oh, I had a migraine uh, today. I've had more than enough caffeine. So, not good. What are we covering tonight, y'all? Something you put on the list. I did put on the list something I saw for the first time this year and have watched again in prep for this. Tonight, tonight, we are covering, I got to see what yours from, hold on. That was me trying to stall long enough to type, but I didn't pull it off. 72. We are covering the 1972 Francis Ford Coppola iconic movie the godfather um i don't think it really needs an introduction we have an amazing cast that will be so much fun to go through but before we do that let's do our histories and i just gave mine 
Um, I'll follow that one up because my history is probably just a smidge longer than yours. Um, I remember, yeah, Anthony, I know. I remember seeing pieces and parts of this movie growing up, um, just the whole time I was growing up, but I'm not sure I've ever seen it in its entirety until today. Cause there were lots of parts that, um, like I pieced all the puzzles together. I was like, Oh, that's why that happened. Oh, this is why this is happening. So I think I probably saw it. I've seen it once <laughs> complete end to end. And it was today. As an Italian American, I basically grew up on this movie, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, my grandparents love this movie. My parents love this movie. Most people in the New York area love this movie. Um, I love this movie. Spoiler alert. It, it's just like Tom said, it is iconic. And, you know, I, I know there are people out there who don't, and that's fair, but I think even those who don't can't deny its place in pop culture history or movie history, because, I mean, it's on just about, you know, every Hollywood directors, actors, entertainment lists of one of the best movies of all time. And uh, it definitely has one of the most stacked casts ever, uh, especially of movies we've covered on this show. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, this was made in the 70s. It is now 2022. Lots of these guys are still alive, actually. Um, and this is still, you know, I mean, James Kahn, may he rest in peace, just died. This was one of the three roles mentioned in every one of his obituaries. You know, the Godfather, Misery, and Health, right? Like, yeah. this is like what will most of these guys will it will be in most of their obituaries in the first line when they pass, and rightfully so. Which speaks to his genius as an actor. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Loved it. Hadn't seen it in a while, admittedly, but I was glad to put it on this morning as I was working. And... This movie, like we said, it's 1972. It is directed and, and written by Francis Ford Coppola, um, who is just an unbelievable legend mm -hmm. he his his he's got a sizable body of work but if we as we look at the the things that he's done um as a director he did let's go back um he did the godfather series he did apocalypse now he godfather did series like the one that's just on Apple tv no it was like godfather one godfather two Oh, right. That makes more sense. Godfather 3. Um, he did the Tulsa classic, The Outsiders, which filmed here. Mm -hmm. And little trivia about The Outsiders House for you, Anthony. It is owned by Danny Boy O'Connor, the House of Pain rapper. And recently, after he bought it and has turned it into a museum... There was a lot of talk between Danny Boy O'Connor about how much influence this had on him with Francis Ford Coppola and S.E. Hinton. Um, it's kind of a big deal around Tulsa, like I said. Um, I can yeah. imagine. You are forgetting one of the most famous movies Francis Ford Coppola did in recent years. And that was recent years. It's 30 years. Holy crap, it's 30 years this year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dracula. Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula. With Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And then he also, he produced a lot as well, like the TV series, The Outsiders. He did stuff for his daughter as well. 
like virgin suicide, loss in translation. Yeah, we're friends. We used to be friends with his niece, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan, Francis Ford Coppola fan. I liked, I liked how picky he was in what he did and the quality of everything that came out. And his, uh, this movie is a, is a testament to his ability to pick young talent because a lot of these people were not, did not have the gravitas they did. Now, of course, Don Vito Corleone does not fit into that. We have a, an aged Marlon Brando playing Don, playing Vito Corleone. Marlon Brando. What do y'all think of when you think of Marlon Brando? Jor El, Superman's father in Superman the movie. Okay. Okay. And the, and the, and the Godfather. These are the two. <laughs> I think what this. Do you think? Uh, Stella. Stella. First of all, 100%. yeah. Unhinged. Which was, which was what? Uh, 1950, yeah. right? Yeah. So that was a young. That was a young strapping yeah and then i never actually saw on the waterfront even though most people would probably say they know him from that um but my cousin's father-in-law looks exactly like a mix between marlon brando and ralph lauren that's not a bad look no, but all, every, that, every time I see him, all I can think about is that Friends episode where Phoebe's convinced she made out with Ralph Lauren and the real Ralph Lauren gets on the elevator because <laughs> he looks so much like him. <laughs> like, like Anthony said, for, for those of us of a, of a younger, well, not younger, but those of us of a later generation than Marlon Brando's peak, you know, we remember him from things like Superman, Apocalypse Now, uh, he was saying know. guys and dolls. I he never was, saw guys was, and dolls. The 1996 the Island of Dr. Moreau. That's the last Dr. thing. Dr. Moreau. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Playing the golden boy's son is a very young Al Pacino. Mm. Holy I mean, crap, was he young? He, he was almost was un- a baby. He was almost unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was still 32 at the time. But he looked a solid like 24. I am that guy had a baby face. Yeah, he did. What do you think of when you hear Al Pacino? I think of Scarface more than this. Scarface and uh yeah, Scarface. Say hello to I my little of, friend. Um, what's the what's the one where he's Satan as a lawyer? Devil's advocate with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Film Star yeah, Podcast just covered it. And that's what I think of when I see him. He was in Glengarry, Glen Ross, Scent of a Woman, Carlito's Way, Donnie Brasco, like you said, The Devil's Advocate, Any Given Sunday. Heat. Uh, Heat. It's a good movie. He was in the amazing, His, I think the best thing he ever did was the Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez hit Jiggly. Jiggly. <laughs> he was in The Merchant of Vienna. <laughs> He did make his way into the uh, the oceans, uh-huh. the oceans franchise. Sure did. Which is a uh, everything about that franchise is just fun. <laughs> Send of um, a woman, which he won his Oscar yeah. for. Yep. Yep. He was in The Irishman, played uh, Jimmy Hoffa. He's in House <laughs> of House of Gucci, and I am very excited. I didn't know this until we were researching for this. He is in an upcoming production of or movie of King Lear, playing King Lear. It was also the best Quentin Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I love that movie. 
still haven't seen that one. It's good. We've got uh, we've got the the hot headed son, Sonny, played by James Con. Mm -hmm. We are not. Uh, we've covered James Con pretty extensively. Mm -hmm. Like you said, he did he did pass earlier this year, which was a great loss to all of us. Uh, there is a Godfather uh, Elf connection here because during the scene in Elf, where he flips out on Buddy, saying, "Yeah, my life, you're not my son. I don't love you." Uh, <clears throat> to elicit the emotion, John Favreau took him aside and was like, "Look, play this scene and just remember your sunny fucking Corleone." And that's the instruction he gave him before <laughs> sending him out on set to. Uh... And he nailed it. He and nailed it. Now yeah. Michael's Michael's bringing home his girlfriend to meet the family. Michael is kind of estranged. He brings home his girlfriend, Kay Adams played by the effervescent Diane Keaton. Again, like, so yeah. young. She yeah, is so young. she's and so we, young in this one. We covered her in The Family Stone, so we won't go into her. This part of our job is getting a lot easier, y'all. We've covered yeah, it so is. many <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Let's see, who else do we want to cover, y'all? Let's not forget Robert that rat, rat Fredo. Oh, Fredo. Uh, they could have really called him. Uh, he, he has this very Don. He has this very Don Junior vibe about him. Like he could have been like Junior. <laughs> Don Corleone. I mean, of course. <laughs> uh, John Cazell plays Fredo. Oh, Fredo. Um, he was not in as much stuff. He basically did the Godfather movies and the Deer Hunter. Yep. His career was cut a little bit short. He died at age 42. That's sad. Talia Shire was in this. She played Connie. Robert Duvall played Tom Hagen. Oh, Ro yes. The lawyer, Tom Hagen. Robert Duvall. That guy's another. He was a consigliere, right? Mm -hmm. He was the, for a while, yeah. And uh, we covered him, too, in Four Christmases <laughs> with John Favreau's dad during that amazing oh, chicken wing scene. <laughs> Quite a different character. Than <laughs> uh, Anthony, next time in New York, I want to go get chicken wings. I will break my veganism, eat some chicken wings, and I will stare at you awkwardly while we record it. <laughs> uh, that's a promise. That's a deal. <laughs> My interesting, fact, interesting fact I learned the women played such little roles in, in like little women were so unimportant to the ultimate story they he didn't even give Don's wife a name nowhere oh. in the movie do we learn her name just uh, I, also want to, I also want to point out something interesting that I learned in this um oh yeah and well I mean and the the, the downplay of women in this in this society, especially during the time that he's filming, he's making this, obviously. His daughter, Connie, again, Talia Shire, her husband isn't allowed in the family business. Like, that's how mm -hmm. unimportant daughters are. Um, mm -hmm. Well, that and her, her husband's uh, We'll oh, get into that. Winner. We'll get into that. Um, have either of you guys watched The Offer? The 10-episode no. miniseries on the making of this? Colin Haynes, uh -uh. a bunch of good people in it, Miles Teller. No, but I would like to. Yeah, it's, it looks good. It's very good. Um, because just speaking of the making, like 
I mean, this is man the seventies. This is when the mob was rampant still. It was not a necessarily safe production. They kept getting harassed by the mob via phone calls and showing up at set, like afraid of how they were going to be portrayed and stuff. And uh, which, which segues into the next thing I wanted to point out about this. Okay. Francis Ford Coppola took this seedy, violent, I mean, this, this, this organized crime unit and portrayed them in such an amazing light. We see them as, as, as warriors, not as criminals. During the movie, there's not a single uh, civilian victim of organized crime that we see. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not shaking down normal everyday people. They're not showing women, they're not showing the prostitution rings that they ran. They're not showing what happened, you know, with these going in after people for gambling debts. There are no victims of, like, the racketeering. And the only police officer we see in this is corrupt mm-hmm. the right. police are corrupt so francis ford coppola took this took people we should all hate and despise and made them so incredibly endearing to us right and, and let's like not, breaking bad like breaking bad i i disagree i did we saw all the awful things that walter ended up doing well yeah we aside from that saw part, how but bad he was endearing end, yourself to at the I, end of but the end at the end of Breaking Bad, I didn't like anybody though. At the end of this, like I pitied Jesse. <laughs> like Jesse was was a tragic foil in the film, right? Nothing like he was in this position or in this series because he was in this position by bad choices that were made out of ignorance or innocence. Um, but no, like everybody else, no. Well, the whole white family's terrible. Look. Let's not underestimate the impact too. Like without The Godfather, you would never get Goodfellas. You would never get The Sopranos, which is often considered one of the best shows of all time. And without The Sopranos, you wouldn't get shows like Breaking Bad, like where it like uh, the main character was the bad guy, right? So, right. well, we got Scarface. Even we wouldn't. I don't think we would have paved the way for movies like Scarface and Taxi Driver either. Like this started a grit. Mm-hmm. that we hadn't seen before, a grit and rawness that we hadn't seen before um, and brought organized crime to an acceptable place in film. Yeah, yeah it kind of opened the way <laughs> to, for the mob to accept everything that came after. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so all right, as an Italian with Italian roots in New York City, my family has had run-ins with the mob. that's scary back when my grandparents (laughs) still lived in the city and like my mom and her six siblings who was that um who lived who's the one oh Gotti John Gotti mom remembers growing up and him just sitting on the street corner across from their building and he they she said that they she used to get scared of him she used to cross the side of the street because he was just so intimidating but she said he was always like very nice like hey how are how are you saying hi to all the kids like just you know giving off this air of kind of like even to people walking by like just you know he knew everyone and everything yeah like the yeah there's a there was an interesting murder that that's infamous in Tulsa from 19 from, yeah, 1981, Roger Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this, Julia? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, he had an office in my old building. Yeah, he was shot and killed um, at Southern Hills Country Club, PGA National. Like the PGA is here every couple of years. It's a it's a prestigious golf club in the middle of the day day, and nobody saw a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was Whitey Boger. Listeners, uh, if the three of us go missing in the coming weeks, give this episode to. To the police or somebody, but not the corrupt cops. <laughs> I, I think we're. I think given the fact that this is a you know a forty year old crime, we're probably okay. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting though because the mob is. Oh god, the nineties. What the hell? How was it that long ago? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but the mob is, to your point, Tom. They kind of like made the mob acceptable, right? Like the mob was always. American history has a very like love hate relationship with the mob, right? I mean, the U.S. government had them protecting the docks during World War II because they didn't have, you know, enough people to do it for them. Like, so it's not like the mob. I mean, they're. You know what I? You know what I'm trying to say? They have <laughs> always been an acceptable. A, sinful but weirdly acceptable part of american life yep going back to uh roger wheeler you know what i learned interesting julia as a side note what he went to rice he went to rice rice in houston mm-hmm. it's right tell you what yep. that kevin bacon strong seven it degrees is, kevin bacon it is strong it All is comes strong down to it well i i guess i shouldn't say that i did say that the crime was so long ago were probably okay, but wasn't Whitey Bulger beaten to death like three or four years ago in prison? <laughs> Sounds right. In Did, Kansas, what, isn't he in prison in Missouri or Kansas or Colorado? I think, isn't he in the same prison as... Um, uh, uh, no, he died, he died in West Virginia from blood for, blood, blunt force trauma in prison. But he was in prison in West Virginia. Is that the same prison that Ted Kaczynski's in or is Ted Kaczynski in the one in... Colorado. Anyway, rabbit trail. Just listened to a whole rabbit podcast trail. about the Unabomber. It was really interesting. So, never mind. He is now in the Federal Medical Center Bunter of North Carolina. Uh, also, just want to say about the Unabomber and all the people, you know, our current attorney general helped take him down. So, that's right. That was really cool. To hear that, that Merrick Garland had a hand in it. Pretty awesome. Merrick Garland has 100% closure rate. That's amazing. Let's jump into our movie. So our movie opens up with a big Italian wedding. And, drinking um, red wine out of like lemonade pictures. I love it. <laughs> it's beautiful though. It's out, this is like a totally like mid-century wedding dress over the top. You could see her. I mean, this could have this this. I know it's it was based in 1949, but this could have been 1970s Olin Mills mm-hmm. photo. Um, we open up and everybody's celebrating, right? We very much get a we get a quick picture that this is a this is a patriarchy. Everything and this is revolving around Don, even though it's his daughter's wedding. Um, Don Corleone, a.k.a. Vito, is his actual name for the listeners who haven't seen this. The Don. I'm sorry, I should say The Don. The Don. The Don. 
we see him leave the wedding and he's in his office, which is well, yes, the office. This is the scene I wanted to talk about. <laughs> which is like this dark, amazing office. And it's probably the most iconic scene from this movie. And off-quoted, off a guy comes to him. His daughter has been raped. He went to the police, and the police didn't take care of business, right? This guy's going to get off. He's going to be fine. And Anthony, do you want to do your bad impression of this, this quote? <laughs> you know what? Or do, I, or do you want I, me to? Do it because I'm the actual Italian American here. I the, the well more than you, and I don't want to like ruin my street cred here in New York. <laughs> you found paradise in America. You had a good trade. You made a good living. The police protected you, and there were courts of law, so you didn't need a friend like me. Now you come to me and say, "Don Corleone, give me justice," but you don't act with respect. You don't offer friendship. You don't. Even Father, come to my house on the day my daughter's to be married, and you ask me to do a murder for money. <laughs> Bravo! And I think that's a nice, po- nice uh, point to point out. Like uh, we talked about the legacy of this movie, how many times has this scene in particular been spoofed or like you know ripped off in movies and pop culture since then? I mean, yeah. Even in kids stuff, this is made fun of in the the Rugrats for God's sake. Rugrats, it makes it. I mean, Family Guy, everything I can do. The Simpsons. Yeah. I don't know why I'm only thinking cartoons. (laughs) And let me just say, this is ultimate Anthony goal to have this power at my kid's wedding one day, just where everyone comes (laughs) to ask me favors in the back room. <laughs> when, when, when you guys fly out for my daughter's wedding one day, I want Tom coming groveling to the back room. <laughs> um, and so, speaking of this scene, the cinematographer for this had the the, the cinematographer's name is Gordon Willis. He was called the Prince of Darkness because his sets were so underlit. Paramount execs weren't happy with this scene; they thought it was too dark. And it was only when Francis Ford Coppola um, and Gordon Willis went to them and they wanted to emphasize just how shady the, Cor- the Corleone's family was that they were okay to leave it this dark. Hmm. It's effective. It's beautiful. It is effective. I, what, <laughs> this is kind of why I pictured the White House dining room looking like on January 6th when Trump was watching TV, just saying. TV all day. He just has no, all the is, shades drawn and the lights down. This was this was far too classy. <laughs> What's interesting, you know, he's got this this interesting. His this is obviously not how Marlon Brando speaks. So no, he's doing the accent. Plus, he he's got he wants to have this this look. When he auditioned, he put cotton balls in his cheeks to get this look. But they created a mouthpiece for the movie. <laughs> that's cool yeah so we get the fee- we get the understanding now that Don really likes power he likes people in his community coming to him he wants to be I think when we look at look at other other ideas of the mafia we see them as all bad power hungry but there's genuinely a concern for his community and what's going on around him that Don Cor- that the Don has here. 
Mm-hmm. And I of want, course, uh, we know. Yeah. I was just going to say, one of the things I like about him, and then like in other mob content after this movie is the mob boss, uh, arguably the most dangerous person in the family, is always calm, cool, and collected. You never really see them flip out. It's always that quiet menace, like, you know what, mm-hmm. like nothing gets under their skin kind of deal. And mm-hmm. I like that. That's far more effective than if he was constantly yelling at people. Yep. Yeah. And just the quietness and the meekness of him and, and the, most of the other mob bosses compared to Sonny, for example. <laughs> Terrifying. Uh, we, meet, we meet the kids here. We do meet Sonny here. We meet Tom at the wedding. But the focus of the, even though it's the wedding for his daughter, the focus is really around Michael coming home. Mm-hmm. Michael's a war hero. He's the golden boy. He's the one who's going to do more. Every Italian and family has the golden boy. He's bringing home his his wasp intended, who is obviously overwhelmed by what's happening with the family, and she doesn't really fit in at the at the wedding. But Michael doesn't either, right? There's this distance between everybody and Michael, except the Don loves Michael. You can tell, but he wants to keep him at arm's length for his protection. Right. So. Well, don't, well, don't forget his godson comes to him trying to get him a movie role. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his and, godson. There are two more scenes we see in his office. And one of them is his godson. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah, his godson, who's like a big singer, uh, his name's Johnny, comes to him asking for his help getting a movie role, persuading a Hollywood producer to give him a movie role. So Vito's like, sure. And he dispatches Robert Duvall, Tom Hagen, his consigliere, uh, to go persuade the studio head to give his guts in the movie role. Because the, mm-hmm. the studio head did not want to work with him at all. Correct. So the studio head goes to sleep and wakes up in the morning to find a decap. He's all covered in blood. And there's a decapitated horse's head in bed with him. This is probably one of the most other iconic scenes in the movie, the horse's head in bed. Like, that's a stereotypical yeah. mob threat, right? Because of this yeah. movie. And that's an actual horse's head. They got an actual decapitated horse's head for this scene. Which is oh, why it's so gruesome and effective. Yeah. Ew. But, but we learned... Questions. Yeah. What did do? Where do they get it from? Do they do it themselves? <laughs> did the mob put this in bed with Francis Ford Copeland? He's like, that's a great idea. <laughs> but this just goes to show, like, when Vito wants something done, he will do anything to get it done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah. he, get, he gets the movie role. He gets the movie. Yeah. Then we're back. Then we go back to the family. We're back in New York. We're, we're back from the coast. Tom went and did his, did his duty. Johnny's thriving. Um, and, and it's Christmas time. And mm-hmm. this is the Christmas scene. Michael, no, Sonny, Sonny learns his sister's being beaten. Sonny is not happy about this. No, he is not. Sonny just shy of murders his brother-in-law. Because, but here's my question. How stupid do you have to be 
well, first of all, you're stupid to hit to hit your spouse anyway. <laughs> but if your spouse's father is Don Vito Corleone and your brother-in-law is Sonny, how stupid do you have to be? Yeah, seems problematic. No clue. Yeah. But let me tell let me tell you something. With my sister getting married and as an Italian, the bachelor parties in a few weeks, you bet I'll be having a little heart to heart with my soon-to-be brother-in-law. <laughs> I'm going to be like... Lala Ross. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I'll probably go. <laughs> I'm talking to you as Annalisa's brother, not your friend. <laughs> you, no. need to, you, need, you need to buy a stuffed horse and just bring the head with a stuffing falling. Oh, how magnificent. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm that? totally going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just Is have... he Italian at all? No. no. Oh, that's even She's... better. You bo- so you both ruined your families by wearing wasps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I am totally gonna do that. And I'll have the scene on loop. So when he wakes up, the TV in his room is playing that scene. (laughs) So you gotta get a, you gotta get a room key and you've gotta get him inebriated so he passes out. No no problem there. (laughs) Oh, now this creates some frustration and animosity for her brother, apparently. Because what does her brother, what does her, or what does his brother-in-law do, Anthony? Whose brother-in-law? Sonny's. Oh, he's, he's in the narcotics business, right? Mm-hmm. But what does he do to Sonny? What happens? He kills him. He has him killed by a rival mafia. He gets a call, Sonny gets a call from a woman, from his sister... And let me tell you something, the mob wars were real back in the 70s and 80s in New York, back when New York was considered one of the most dangerous cities in the country. There are tons of documentaries on it on Netflix and you should watch it because like while this movie shied away from innocent civilians in the crosshairs, like happened a lot in the 70s and 80s because of the mob wars. Yeah. So he finds out his sister's being beaten the guy beats his wife sonny hops in the car and goes to jersey where his Ugh. where his sister and brother-in-law live oh wait no we missed the whole scene with vito tom and sonny where they're sitting down with uh Salazzo, right Salazzo's is the name of the drug guy the drug uh kingpin and he's trying to bring in hard stuff. And Vito uh, asks Tom and Sonny what they think about the offer of working together um, and using Vito's political connections around New York to help him spread drug business and partnering with which family was it? Uh, how do you pronounce Tatog- it? Tatog- the t- Tataglia? Tataglia? Tataglia, yep. Yep, and yeah, Vito, what what's happening is Vito's afraid that pushing such hard drugs is going to alienate his connections, specifically his political connections. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Sonny and Tom both really wanted to do it because they see this, they just see the money, but Vito's concerned again about his community and these hard drugs coming in and what that's going to mean. And so he tells them, no, they're not going to do it. Um, This is where I point out again, my life could have turned out so different if my parents called me Tony. I could have been like... (laughs) (laughs) 
a member of the mob. <laughs> Aim high there, Anthony. Um, and they try to catch him. They try to try to like Vito doesn't trust the Paglia, right? So he sends a guy in to pretend he's switching sides. Is this? Am I going in order? Yeah. But what what happens though? Who Vito gets shot, right? Right. Well, Luca gets shot here first, right? Yes. Wasn't it Luca? Luca it was Brossi, Luca. the guy he sent in, gets killed. Uh-huh. Uh, and they kid they kidnap Tom. The consigliere, yes. And, and uh, there are NYPD officers on Salazzo's payroll. And they clear out Vito's protection essentially and mm-hmm. shoot him. And he ends up in the hospital. Yeah. Where they where they're gonna do the same thing again. Yeah. And uh, Michael is fully aware of what's gonna happen here. He wants him transferred to a different room and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has up. And then he ends up confronting the cop, the corrupt cop outside, and Michael kills him. As you do. I mean, you're trying to kill my dad, you know. I'm a war hero. Murder isn't, I haven't done this. This murder thing isn't new to him from what we hear. And again, I'm sitting here watching this today and thinking of the legacy this movie had and thought to myself, man, we have literally had, not to mention anyone by name, former presidents who emulated their lives after this movie, thinking they were this capable and intimidating. And really, they just look like a, uh, but not another teen movie version of this movie essentially like not another mob movie <laughs> and so while, all this is, while all this is going out going down and don's in the hospital um Salazzo is telling tom that they killed Vito. he's dead and that he needs Vito to he needs uh, uh he needs sunny to talk blah he needs tom to talk sunny down so they don't end up in a war yeah because yeah, they're afraid, the five families, they're afraid they're going to be in open warfare. Yeah. Um, Sonny wants to take everybody down. Sonny wants to go to war with the Tataglias. Bit of a hothead. He's, He's exactly, a hothead. that's a perfect description. And James Conn <laughs> plays an excellent hothead. Yeah. yeah. He, he was a good looking younger guy. I'll give him that. He looks just radically different, young he does. versus old, just like Pacino, you know, just like a oh, whole yeah. different person. Which is if funny there's... because De Niro's in the second one and he looks exactly the same young. As yeah, he? he has not changed at all. <laughs> Grayish. Just gray. Yeah. So they think one of the bodyguards who called in sick the day of the hit is involved. Sonny wants him murdered. Mm-hmm. He demands that he be killed. Tom wants Tom wants to take revenge on Salazzo only, right? Yes. Which honestly, smart thing to do. Go after the guy who killed the or the Don. Yeah. Or attacked the Don. It, rather than starting war with the five families, you don't think you can necessarily win. Did y'all watch Yellowstone? Yes. No. Okay, this scene where they Okay, Julia, take out your earphones for a second. Okay. Warning, if you haven't listened to, if you haven't watched Yellowstone, fast forward. The scene where they take uh, Polly out, they get out the pee in the field, kill him and drop him in the in the field, reminds me of that cliff in Yellowstone. Like, yeah. they've obviously done this before. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So this is where Sonny goes to the hospital. They move. This is where Sonny goes to the hospital. Michael won't let his girlfriend go to the hospital to see his dad with him. Because he um, assumes like there's going to be a tech at the, on the hospital room. He doesn't want to put a K in that situation. Immediately he knows there's going to be, because like we said, the cops have moved all of his guards. Like they're out. They're not allowed in the hospital anymore. So he moves Don Corleone. They do find out um, there is an attempt to kill him, but they, um, what, why did they, why didn't they kill him? They totally stand out there and they front him and that other guy who's like shaking in his boots. They stand there and just like stare him down as they drive by. Right. It's like right, a total right. baller move. It really is because like they just like pull up in the car and they just see him standing there and they're like, no, man, I could do that today. <laughs> I mean, Al Pacino's got some stage presence and it, on it, it's, it's his turn in this movie that's the most fascinating, which is supposed to be right. How he goes from who he starts as and who he ends as is. He doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be who he becomes. No, no. he doesn't. But when but he, he sees what they're doing to, to his, when he sees what they're doing to the family, right? He accuses the cop of being corrupt. The the cop punches him. They they're trying to prevent Don Corleone from leaving. Tom shows up and says, "You can't prevent him. Like you know, you have no stand." They take him away. We go back to the to the Corleone. I don't know what you really call it. It's like a it's. It feels like a ranch, but it's in New York, so it's not a ranch, obviously. It's like, right? a, it's like, a, it's like a mansion. It's a mansion. Yeah. Um, Sonny went off half cocked and killed Tataglia Don's son after what happened in the hospital. Sonny doesn't want to deal at all with Velazzo. Sonny wants Michael to deal with him. Yeah, no, Michael goes to deal with him at the restaurant, right? And he ends up yeah. killing Salazzo and... Um, oh, that's right, he killed Salazzo. And, like, he just killed him right there. Yeah, they, they, the there's a hand, yeah, there's a hand gun hidden in the toy in the bathroom. Yeah, and he yeah, yeah, they, goes to the bathroom, the, picks it up, and whacks him. first kill. At, yeah. And then he disappears. Then he goes to Italy. He becomes a made man. Essentially, you kill one to the mob, you're a made man. Well, you kill a cop, you're like, you gotta, you gotta get on the demo there for a while, there, buddy. So he goes to, to Sicily. To Sicily, to the family home in Sicily, oh, where he meets a lovely young woman. That's right. With and forgets lovely all about boobs. Pervert. I'm just saying. Uh, the Don is not happy at all with what happened to Michael when he gets home at all. No. no. Because he, yeah, did not want any of this for his son. No. Sonny is still pushing to kill the, Sonny, the Toglia. He wants him dead. Yeah, Sonny doesn't give a crap if they erupt an open warfare with the other families. <laughs> like Julia said, he's hot-headed. He's raring to go. He is not just hot-headed, but cocky. He thinks nothing can take them That's out. Right. They're, the, they're the Corleones. Let me tell you something, too. Just about the mobs. Like, the names have power, right? Yeah. Even the five family last names still to this day. So my dad's business partner... His name, last name is Gambino, and he is this big, burly Italian guy. 
And Gambino's the name of one of the mob families. No association as far as I know. But like, <laughs> it has a connotation because when my sister's fiance's soon-to-be mother-in-law found out there's going to be some Gambinos at the wedding, she like, it's like, what? Like she's <laughs> like, had a little mini heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the power of names. Like these people, these mob families have built up such a reputation that even today, if you have one of those five names, like yeah. there are connotations to them, whether or not you have any relation at all. It's why there will never be an yeah. Italian president in my lifeline. You're not going to elect a president Gambino. You're just not. <laughs> <laughs> this is the point at which... Sonny had yelled at Carlos because he was at dinner and Carlos had yelled at his sister, remember? And then he goes back to check on his sister again and she's, that's when, this is when he beats Carlos, her her husband. Oh yeah, not and just beats him. Viciously. Viciously. Goes to bite off his finger. Yeah, that then, was like a whole other level. <laughs> and then bludgeons him repeatedly with a trash can lid, which is like... Was impro- it was, was improvised apparently by James Kahn. The trash can lid was not written into the screen. Scene. Yeah, you saw it there and just started beating him. James Kahn did a lot of improvising in this. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I think you said it earlier, Julia. I really, James Kahn is good at playing the hothead. And I do believe it's because he is probably like that in real life. I suspect greatly. The, I mean, <laughs> I think he's, people seem okay with him, though. I would love to have been a fly in the wall. Where Will, where John Favreau took Will Ferrell aside and just said, "Keep pushing him, keep pushing him." <laughs> like with with the tickle fights, like they said that was his real annoyance because Will Ferrell kept going tickle fight, tickle fight, and like he just kept getting more and more annoyed. So I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. Uh-huh. And listeners, if you're out there, listen to some of James Conn's interviews about Elf. <laughs> Because he he had fun with that movie, but he thinks it's so funny that that's his legacy for modern audiences when he, he's like, I was in the effing Godfather and people come up to, <laughs> to me on the street and remember me for Buddy the Elf's dad. But he said he took the role because his family wanted him to. And he was like, well, how bad can it be? You know, uh, will this Will Ferrell guy is supposed to be effing funny? And then Will Ferrell <laughs> is such a serious actor on set between takes. He's like, this is the effing guy who wants to make me effing cry. Like, this is the guy who wants to so effing funny. <laughs> like, listen to some of the interviews. He is hilarious. <laughs> I got to do that. You remember when the FBI photographer is taking pictures and Sonny smashes his camera? Yeah. Yeah. That was improvised too. The actor had no clue it was going to happen. It was also improvised him just pulling out money and throwing it at him. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about this scene where Sonny beat up Carlo. Um, it took four days to shoot and, caught and had more than 700 extras. There were a lot of people in those streets with the busted up fountain. Which felt very yeah. summery. I would love to know, like Gianni Russo who plays Carlo. I would love to know, like how he felt after that scene, after James Conn just picked up a trash can <laughs> and started beating the crap out of him. Be scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, be super was, scary. <laughs> probably a real reaction when he's yelling. Yeah, and crying. I'm like, I'm getting away from you, but I'm not yeah. gonna stop acting. <laughs> this is probably good. <laughs> 
<laughs> for the camera. <laughs> Scary. But as often for- happens, I just want to say in Sicily, Michael's not alone. There's another dawn of another family in Sicily that's supposed to be watching him and has bodyguards, and Michael won't listen, especially when he sees this woman that he wants to marry. Mm-hmm. Yep. And does marry, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. But uh, what's interesting, Tom, to your point is you never hit your spouse to begin with, but not only did this guy hit his spouse, get the crap beat out of him by Sonny, he hit her again. And Sonny's Sonny's hot head gets him in trouble this time because as he speeds home, he gets killed. I want to say about the wedding one thing about the wedding. We have the wedding. We see the honeymoon scene. And we immediately go to the next scene of uh, Diane Keaton still waiting for Michael. Yeah. How much time has elapsed? I I wasn't super clear on that. Do we know even? Uh, I don't know exactly. I don't know. I mean, it has to be a while, right? Marlon Bando is getting better. Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing his improvement. Uh, yeah, like you said, when he when his when his sister calls, Sonny hops in the car, takes off. Tom's like, "Don't do it! Don't do it!" They know he's in danger, and it's not just that he's 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 somewhat murdered. He pulls into a toll booth to pay the toll road, and machine guns from all over the place just rip his body apart. Yep. Thanks a lot, Jersey. Reminds <laughs> me Hamilton. Everything's legal in Jersey. <laughs> Uh, the the concern the dawn goes to see Sonny's body and he's really upset. It's bad. Yeah. And oh, yeah. he wants he wants he takes them to a meeting. He wants a meeting with the five families after this. Well, but he takes them. This is where we go back to the guy that asked for the favor on his on on this the yeah. day of his daughter's wedding. Um, he, he's an undertaker apparently, and he said, "I want I need my son's body to look presentable. His mother doesn't need to know how many times he was shot." Yeah, and that's the thing with the mob, right? You can go to them for a favor, and they will most likely do you the favor, but it's going to come due eventually. Yeah. Going to come due eventually. Actually, a mob-inspired episode of Batman the Animated Series is is a favorite of many fans. It's just uh, a guy is speeding down the highway, coming home from work after a long night of work, he cuts somebody off and gives him the finger. The car pulls up at him at the light and it's the Joker. And the Joker <sighs> tells him to pull over. And the guy basically begs for his life. He has a family, whatever. And the Joker's like, I'm going to do you a favor today and not kill you or your family. But one day you're going to, I'm going to come and cash in and you're going to do me a favor. And this guy like is living his whole life knowing this favor he owes the jokers over his head he moves out of gotham and everything but of course the joker eventually finds Find him. him yep but that's what the mob is like you can't run from the mob unless you go into witness protection and even then there are countless stories of the mob finding you yep the joker definitely runs his organization like the mob for sure oh yeah absolutely then um, we go we go back to sicily and michael's married 
Yep. Michael's married and his, he's driving around with his wife who wants to learn how to drive. Mm-hmm. And not as interested in learning English. Monday, Thursday, Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Michael just can't be happy because car bomb goes off, wife is killed. Yeah, by the guy that he thought was his buddy, buddy, pal, pal. Yeah. It was the... Up. Yeah, this guy he's become friends with who was hired by the Dawn there to, to watch Michael. Michael got hurt, did not die, and he's mad. And he wants, I don't remember the guy's name. I'm sorry. He wants this buddy of his brought to him, but the guy's gone. <laughs> they knew this was coming because right before this scene, they talked about after Semi got killed, they talked about wanting to move Michael, and they didn't get it done. No. Next uh, up is that meeting you're talking about with the five, with the families. five families. And again, talk about how this movie influenced popular culture. Do you remember the episode of The Office with the parking spaces? And Kevin and Andy were like the five families of the business park. And they had, like, had to convene the meeting of the five families. <laughs> uh, but so at this meeting, Vito basically says he doesn't want a war, so he's going to withdraw his opposition to the drug, to the drugs. He's going to let them be pushed, right? And also, because he doesn't want trouble, I'm not going to avenge Sonny's death. Yeah. But you don't touch Michael. You don't touch Michael. Or we're going to have problems. And- this reminds you about part of Pirates of the Caribbean when all the different pirate factions join together at the table and they're all talking about stuff. <laughs> Yep. Which they totally took cue from. They totally, again, again, this has inspired so much. 100%. Yeah. Oh, who was the racist Don here? The one that's like, okay, we can do the drugs, but just sell them to the blacks. Yeah. One of them. Um, And I'm like, wait, what? Are you the Don or do you work for the federal government? Oh. Oh. Bada bing. Sorry, we can't we can't talk like that here in Oklahoma. That's too close to critical race theory. Oh my gosh. What do we learn in this? What do we learn from this meeting though? Michael can come home, he's safe. No, we learn that what's his name? Uh Vito. No, Vito learns that the, the, the Don that he thought was behind killing his son wasn't the one. It was the the Barzini guy. Yes, you are correct. He's like, oh, only now do I realize, you know, it was Barzini who was behind this, not, I, I just keep thinking of the slogs or that. What was the, the T one that we couldn't pronounce? Anyway. Oh, Tatieri. Uh, yeah, I know what you're yes. talking about. He was, only, he was a pawn by Tagliari. Bar- like Tagliari was a pawn of Bizarri. Barzini? Barzini. All of these, I'm sorry, all of these just sound like spaghetti names to me, like spaghetti <laughs> sauce names that I buy in the grocery store. They're like $7 bottles. You know what I'm talking about? That's offensive. Back off. <laughs> Tell me <it's> true. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying this is the ragu or prego, man. I'm saying these are like the $7 bottles. This is and again, and again, one day when not another mob movie is made, the names are going to be ragu <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> Anthony, I think we need to cut that out, and I think you and I need to pitch this. <laughs> yeah, we can I'm have a for... war. We can have a war between ragu and prego. 
Bertoli. And Bertoli. Bertoli. <laughs> and then Rao walks up in there like the healthy alternative. We gotta have like the mama somebody come in as like a female dawn. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, but in the but on the bright side, Michael comes home. The bright side, Emma. He. Yeah. Well, Michael. He married. He ends up marrying Kay, who waited for him. Yeah. So Michael's not happy. He ends up marrying Kay, who waited well, for him that, the whole, though, whole time. He is ticked at the deal that they made. He wants. He wants blood for Sonny, and he wants blood for uh, Sicilian wife. Yeah. Yep. And hey, wait, we can pull American Gods. He wants blood for dead wife. <laughs> and you know what? He's going to get the chance. Because with his, his father's getting old, nearing, nearing the end of his life. Because this movie takes place over like a decade, essentially. Um, he has kids of Kay. Um, and with his father nearing the end of his life, there's really no one to take over the family business except Michael. And Michael steps into the role. Yeah, Michael's now the head of the family. He meets with a few people about Barzini. Yep. And he finds out Fredo is not loyal to the family. No. No, he's not. He is not loyal to the family. He's more loyal to, what is it, the Greens? The casino out in Vegas. The Greens. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Which Michael's wanting to move the family to Las Vegas at this point. Wait, where I am convinced the mob still runs 90% of that stuff. <laughs> so he's gonna let he's gonna let his two guys that he's talking to start their own families, right? Yep. Start their own form their own. I don't know. What do you start their family? They already have a family, but start their <laughs> they have the family, but they're gonna start the they're family. gonna manage the, the family, family, not just they're the family, it's the family. They're gonna manage That's essentially the- West Coast operations for the family. So they'll yep. be like the head of the West Coast, like um Robert Duvall's character, right? Hagen. He's putting him in charge of West Coast. But he specifically tells him, you're not a wartime consigliere. And Tom's not happy about this. No, he's not. Um, and then, very sad moment. In 19, a few years later, Vito playing with his grandson in the garden, dies of a heart attack. Falls yeah. over. Yep. And th- this reminds me. This reminded me of my grandparents and like great aunts and uncles a bit. Like the way he was like playing with his false teeth and stuff. Like that. Yeah. My grandparents did that. Like to try and make us laugh or scare us or stuff. So he clears over and dies. And what ha- what happens? There, there's this amazing scene at the intercut with. What is it, the funeral or the baptism? Uh, it's the baptism. Yeah. And it's little Sophia Coppola getting baptized, isn't it? It is, yeah. It is, yeah. And this is Connie's baby, so his sister's mm-hmm. baby. Yeah. Connie and Carlo. Yeah, and he's the godfather. Yeah. Of course, Michael's of the course godfather. Which is, um, so it's like it, his it, first it, big move and him makes, stepping yeah. into this role. Yeah. Yep, so and it's... Think wonderfully intercut as he's there like um you know going through the motions of this ceremony it's intercut he has ordered the hitman for the family 
to take out the doms of the five families and right. green and uh, what's his name um tessio who had uh betrayed them yep mm-hmm. yep which also reminded me of breaking bad yeah well they know oh, yeah it's gonna be they know that barzini is gonna use somebody in the family right they're either, mm-hmm. he's going to use a traitor in the family to set up a meeting to get Michael killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Michael has I Carlo really killed sad. afterward. I thought it was really sad when Don talking that he didn't want his son to go this. He wanted his son to be like yeah. a politician. He wanted him to be legit. Like right before he died. That made that was that whole that whole like last part of Don's life was really sad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a tale as old of time as time, right? How many stories deal with um, a father, son, or a mother, daughter, where they want they don't want their kid to turn into them, and of course, that's exactly what happens. Or vice versa, the kid doesn't want to turn into them, and that's exactly what happens. I thought that was time. the killing of Barzini though was bold, man. Oh yeah, they gun him down on the steps of the court. Mm-hmm. And That's again, this is crap that happened. It doesn't so much happen anymore, but it happened back then. Cops and judges just in the pockets are too afraid of the mob, where the mob were ballsy enough to do this because they knew nothing would happen to them. Um, but yeah, he also kills Carlo because Carlo confessed to playing a part in Sonny's murder. And that's not going to fly with Michael. And how does he kill him? He first, he guarantees his safety. He promises him, hey, you're going to go live in Nevada. You're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Carlo gets in the car and bop, he's gone. He's gone. He got him. He gave him the feeling of being safe and secure and just mm-hmm. took him out. And Connie, of course, confronts Michael about it with Kay in the room. And Kay mm-hmm. knew Kay doesn't really like this lifestyle so much. Right. And um, Michael denies that he was responsible for Carlos's death. And when Connie leaves, Kay Flau asks if that's the truth. And he and lies. He, he says he's he not lies. in any of this stuff. Yep. He still denies it. And as Kay leaves, the captains, a.k.a. the capos of the family, come in to pay their respects to the new Don Corleone. And the movie ends with the door closing and that iconic music playing. And that closing com- was amazing. Complete setup for the sequel, which many My- consider better than the first. I mean, just like Empire Strikes Back, you know, everyone, it's the strongest chapter in the trilogy. Yeah. Was it the third one that's terrible? One of them's really awful, right? The the third one they consider bad, but they put out a, in the 90s, a director's cut of it. It's uh, the Coppola Restoration or something like that. And it's a lot better, actually. It's uh, the Coda or something like that. I forgot what they called it. The the Godfather Coda, the death of Michael Corleone. That's what they called it. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's actually a lot better. So Michael dies? Spoiler Spoiler alert. alert. Thanks, man. (laughs) My mom had this uh, this clown. It had it had the clown clothes on. It was sitting. It was half pink, half blue, and it had like the star eyes. And its head would just rotate as it played the Godfather theme song. 
That Amen. is terrifying. I would I would go twist that and put it in a room with my sister. Like when she was gonna wake up or something. So that was the first thing she saw when she woke up and she had a fear of clowns. So mean. I mean, especially with that music. I mean, that music isn't like it's kind of creepy if you heard that music alone. Yeah. yeah. It is. Who did the music for this anyway? That is an oh, excellent yeah. question. Let's see who gets there first. The music was done by Nino Rota who won the Academy Award for Godfather Part Two? Okay. He did operas. Yeah, I mean, he did a lot of Italian type music. Mm -hmm. uh, so a couple of little interesting facts about this. Do you know who wanted to, you know who really wanted the part of Don Vito Corleone? Who? Who? Orson Welles. Ooh. Ooh. He practically begged for it. He said he would lose weight and everything else. Which is very funny that because like when you think of mob bosses today and that Tony Soprano probably changed the image, right? You think of the bigger mob boss, like yeah. Which I Tony Soprano had some heft. What do you mean? Tony Soprano? That's what I mean. You, you think of the guy. big the big Oh, mob you're bosses. saying because yeah. of that. Yes. Gotcha. Um, yeah, no, he was a big, I mean, he died of a heart attack at like 40 something, late 40s, early 50s, um, which is crazy because he was 30. He was my age when he started in The Sopranos and he looked he just looked so old all the time. So old. Yeah. He never looked young. But that's what weight does to you. But anyway, <laughs> not to get on a weight topic, but it's just funny that Orson Welles said he would lose weight because when you think of mob bosses today, I think in large part because of Tony Soprano, you think they are heftier. And yeah. in my experience, a lot of, especially older Italian men are just heftier in general. Mm -hmm. So that was, that's interesting to me that Orson Welles said he'd lose weight for the role. Cause I would have thought weight would have been, you know, a benefit <laughs> to him. <laughs> Speaking so of, Tony Soprano, though, real quick, James Gandolfini, the mob was still interfering with that show. They He used to get calls from unidentified numbers in the middle of the night at his Jersey house and uh, from mob uh, contacts, essentially saying, oh, you know, you're doing a great job, but just so you know, a Don would never wear shorts, even at a barbecue. And, like, giving him tips like that, like, for the show. Wow. Like, yeah. Wow. Everyone's a critic. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all want to hear something crazy? Always. What? Al Pacino, James Conn, and Diane Keaton were each paid the same for making this movie. Do you want to guess how much they made? How much? How much? $35,000. Oh, man. Yeah, that Ooh. good for good for her for getting equal pay as her male co-star. There you go. There you yeah. Go. Seriously, women in Hollywood can't even get that nowadays. Like mm -hmm. the equal pay. So good for her. And it's funny because she did have a much smaller role in fairness and all of them in this movie. So <laughs> there was a lot of the family in here, although uh, Francis Ford Coppola did make his sister audition for the role <laughs> of Connie. He didn't want to be accused of nepotism, which is a big deal. I didn't even know that was his sister, that Adrian yeah, is his sister. Uh, no you, you know, you know, you want to know how. 
I, be- I believe that about as much as believing that Tim Allen said they went through thousands of auditions for his daughter in the new Santa Claus miniseries before casting his actual daughter. Bull. Well, I call <laughs> bull. Well, I will say their family is very concerned about nepotism. Like Jason Schwartzman is a Coppola. He never mentions it. Um, oh. Nicholas Cage. Cage is a Coppola. He changed his name so that he wouldn't be accused of ne- Like they all really want to make it on their yeah. own. That's true. Could you imagine you're a Coppola, you come from this esteemed line of filmmakers, made one of the best and most revered films of all time, and you take Nicholas's Nicholas Cage's career trajectory, not saying he doesn't have some good movies, I'm talking Nicholas Cage in recent years, where he went bankrupt <laughs> for buying a haunted house in Louisiana and like <laughs> just does anything for a paycheck nowadays. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I'd be at trying point, to cash in bring, on that Coppola name. You bring you bring the Coppola back, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you rebrand yourself, Nicholas Coppola. <laughs> so, a, the character, an actual member the, of the mob. The character of Johnny Fontaine, they say that he wasn't based on Frank Sinatra, but... Frank Sinatra even thought he was and was angry. He met Mario Puzza, who played Johnny Fontaine at a restaurant and screamed and cussed him out. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because of how angry Sinatra got, he was opposed to the film in general. Fontaine's role in the film was scaled back because wow. of how angry Frank Sinatra was. Anyway. Wow. What are your so thoughts on, is Frank Sinatra responsible for Kennedy's murder? What's your thoughts on that? No, it's Ted Cruz's family. We know that. Trump told us. I mean, and accurate. His, and 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 his dad was the which Zodiac. Killer, the Zodiac. No, killer? no, Ted Cruz was the Zodiac killer. So Ted Cruz is somehow like a lot older than he. I don't know. I mean, he is Grandpa Munster, right? He looks like him. But <laughs> all right. But wait, wait, wait. I was, I was gonna say, a lot of people actually. Frank Sinatra obviously was in the mob, right? Or at least had very close mob, mob ties. But a lot of people actually do believe he had something to do with Kennedy's death because he slept with Marilyn Monroe, and that was Frank's girl. Frank liked Marilyn Monroe. Lots of conspiracies, but I mean, there's no doubt Kennedy had mob ties himself. The mob uh, infiltrates American life, y'all. <laughs> At least FDR used them during World War II to good effect. Anyway, there was a new, there was a book that came out a while back about Johnny Roselli that alleged that not only was that a problem between he and JFK, but that Frank was having an affair with John Kennedy's sister as well. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, I want to go back to what you said, Tom, about how the mob actually does value family because they do. Because the mob wanted my grandfather to uh, become a made man and he turned them down because he had six children and a wife, six young children at the time and a wife. And uh, they understood that. So they got his cousin, Rafi, instead of Ray's Pizza in the city, the original Ray's Pizza, which was the gift from the mom. So the original Ray's. Your great uncle is associated with Ray's Pizza? 
well, cousin, something like that. Yeah, but yeah, family member, yes. And I remember going to that location and yeah, when he was later in life, he died like, I'm talking like late 90s or early 2000s. Uh, you can, if you look him up, Rafi, uh, what was, I forget his last name, but there are tons of articles online about his arrests for <laughs> drugs and racketeering and stuff. But when you look him up, when he used to visit my aunt who lived in one of the apartments above Ray's Pizza at the time, um, you know, it's this old building in New York. There are only stairs going up and down. His apartment was behind the restaurant and the kitchen because he always used to, he always used to later in life, have the door to his apartment open. You could see it as you're going up the stairs in the restaurant. Uh, lights are always off. TV's on. He's just lying on the couch and it's like wife beater and underwear, like just watching like big old Italian guy. And it was <laughs> exactly what you would expect. So yeah, I, I have my mob connections. Distantly. I wish I had what? much closer ones because Twitter would be hearing for me. Anyway, take take that, Elon Musk. <laughs> hey, uh, Elon, if you buy Twitter and you let Trump back on, but I'm not, they're going to be words. <laughs> words that he'll never hear. <laughs> all right. Not a Christmas movie, but a great Christmas scene and a great movie. We all agree? Yeah. yeah. This is not a Christmas movie, which is, it I'm is just going to say right now. Moment. that. Oh, wait, about Christmas, I'm going to say, I'm just going to say right now, this, that's going to affect my score in a few minutes, because this movie, I would recommend to people. I love this movie. It yeah. is a classic, whether or not uh, you end up liking it. I think it's one, just as a film, a lover of film, everyone should see at least once. Um, which brings me to my question for you guys. This is your first time watching it this year. Did you like it in full? I liked it more than I thought I would. So happy. I really like it. I'm so happy. I was so nervous coming in tonight because I really? didn't hear uh, about you about you specifically, Julie. I was like, I wasn't sure. But then I was like, maybe there's enough family stuff she'll like. I don't know what she'll like <laughs> about this. <laughs> I mean, I love a good, you know, like it's, I don't know. I liked it. I liked it a lot. There were times when I was like, this movie takes its time. But yes. on the other side of that, it needs to take its time. If it was made at the beginning was too long. If it was made by yeah, that, but they needed to establish him. But yeah. if this was made today, for sure, Julia, to your point, it would be a TV show in the vein of Breaking Bad, where Michael goes on that long quest from yeah. not wanting to be in the family to the yeah. head of the family. Yeah. But there are, I yes, there is a Linus moment too, Tom. It's when Michael becomes Don. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. It's, it's, about it, it's where it's when power. Michael, uh, it's a Michael in the church under the eyes of God, becoming the Godfather, subsequently has all of his rivals whacked. Violent murders while praying over a baby. <laughs> If that doesn't say Christmas, I don't know what does. No, but the Christmas we got outdoor shopping in New York, they were playing carols. It was the one scene. It's one scene. And mm -hmm. uh, so we definitely use Todd Killian's rule tonight that oh, it had Christmas, so it's a Christmas movie. But uh, Thanks, Todd. 
it was it was good it was it was it gave me the feels that one scene it felt like christmas in new york yeah and all right before we get to ranking there are some iconic quotes in this movie oh yeah quotes there are a lot of them leave the gun take the cannoli that's like an iconic one that was improvised was it really i did not know that um i like when oh go on julia I was just going to say, make him a deal he can't refuse. It's repeated a few times throughout. Yep. And again, that's something you hear in so much now. A variation of that quote. Yeah. I hope your first child is a masculine child. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm looking for one. Go to the mattresses. Oh, I like what I like the conversation Michael and Kay had about his father. And Michael's like, my father is no different than any powerful man, any man with power, like a president or a senator. And Kay says, Do you know how naive you sound, Michael? Presidents and senators don't have men killed. And Michael's like, Who's being naive now, Kay? I love that. He's so chilling. He really is. He's yep. highly effective. I love when he started to Carlos, and I'm going to use this mind when I line when I call people out on their lies and BS going forward. Don't tell me you're innocent because it insults my intelligence and makes me very angry. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to use that on my work call tomorrow where I'm going to call people out. So. <laughs> in where they're in the kitchen. And Sonny's wife calls him Jimmy instead of Sonny. Oh, really? Yeah, she calls him by his real name, James. I love when Kalo, Kalo is like in Sicily, women are more dangerous than shotguns. Mm. Oh, there's an interesting fact. So at the beginning of the wedding scene, you see that guy that's practicing his lines over and over again for the first time he meets the Don. And when he talks to him, he flubs him. And that was actually for real. He was so nervous to talk to Marlon Brando in a scene that he flubbed his lines, but Kabbalah kept the, kept the camera rolling. And they inserted the scenes where he's practicing his lines afterwards to justify him flubbing them in the scene, which I thought was Oh, that's really awesome. Cool. That was, that flow. Yeah, he was so nervous to meet Marlon Brando. I, um... I love the line. Oh, well, so Sonny has brought a bulletproof vest with a fish inside of it. And he's like, what the hell is this? And Clemenza is like, it's a Sicilian message. It means Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I love when Salazzo says, I don't like violence, Tom. I'm a businessman. Blood is a big expense. Like, they're so casual about, like, the oh, yeah. violence and everything. Very suave. I And I love it. I mean, I'm a big Sopranos fan because I'm a big Godfather. I'm a big, I'm a big Casino fan and a big Goodfellas fan and Ed, and it all comes back to the Godfather. Mm-hmm. But Sopranos, too, they're just so suave about it. Mm-hmm. They make a few mistakes in here uh, with the way they're describing things where they talk about the five heads. Like Michael says he's going to go meet with the five heads, with the heads of the five families. 
Tom, I think, makes the same mention about meeting with the five families, forgetting that the Corleones are one of those families. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't they be meeting with the other four families? Well, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I guess I think he, this is supposed to be one of the families, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, the five families in New York are well-established, but obviously you don't want to use real names, right? Because that's just going to get you killed if you <laughs> use the real names in a movie and then your fictional family takes them all out. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a mistake, Tom. Yeah. I love like Clemenza gives Michael advice on his uh, how to talk to Kay on the phone. And he's like, Mikey, why don't you tell that nice girl you love her? I love you with all of my heart. If I don't see you again soon, I'm gonna die. <laughs> like that. oh. That's so funny. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> What so, do I want to rank this movie? Uh, okay, so for me, again, this movie as a movie is like nine ten the nine ten area. But as a Christmas movie, I gotta give it my standard six. That I give the good, the really good movies that just don't have the Christmas in them. Yeah, I'm probably gonna go four because it is just really not Christmassy. The same caveats, though. Watch it; it's phenomenal. It's just not a Christmas movie. So wait, let me ju- ask you, Julia. I want to make uh, math easy, so I'm going to go with a five. <laughs> and that gives us a flat out five. Now let me ask you both. Actually, will you guys at some point watch part two and part three? Yes, I want to watch part two. I don't know about part three. Yeah, y'all for sure. Got me running scared on part three, but I'm definitely going to watch two. Awesome. I and, prefer De Niro to Pacino if I had to pick. Oh, 100. I am 100% with you there. So I'm super excited about that. <laughs> and it'll just be funny for you because you'll see them all young and everything. And the De Niro looks like De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, we, that, we've got a couple of exciting weeks coming up, y'all. Next week, we are venturing back to Southern California for more Big Bang Theory, followed by Unaccompanied Minors. Yeah, and next week, if you can believe it, kicks off the month of September. And four weeks of some pretty good Christmas content before we get knee deep into spooky season, which I'm I am super excited for, not only because I love spooky season, but because unlike the Christmas content, we still have really good Halloween content because we only cover it once a year. So we haven't run through all the staples yet. So I'm very very (laughs) excited about that. But I am also excited to hear what our listeners think about The Godfather and the next batch of Big Bang Theory episodes. Where can they do that, Julia? Um, and, they... my, and my Don Corleone impression. Yes. Oh, yeah. Please have comments. From... Somebody needs to comment on that. <laughs> I did that for Matt Urich. He was very excited to hear it. <laughs> um, you can find a nice handy link to all of our social media um, by going to linktree back forward slash 
forward slash slash yes. just like slash link tree slash is the podcast that'll take you to um the facebook group facebook reddit twitter all the things um facebook group is our most active place if you're really interested in talking with a whole bunch of people there that's definitely the place to do it um, and it just gets busier the closer we get to christmas so i was about to say there. there's a lot of good content going on in our facebook group a lot of po- people posting and it's only going to get busier that's right lots of fun stuff there um as far as big bang theory goes um please feel free to talk to us about what we covered last week but if you want to look forward to next week and get a head start on that we are going to cover um the last two christmas episodes there so if you're looking for it look for season seven episode 11 the cooper extraction and season eight episode 11 the clean room infiltration and we'll cover that next week and if you want even more to the podcast content We have a Patreon. Um, I know I said this last week, but by the time this episode drops, the episode in which Julia and I talked everything, everywhere, all at once will be live. Um, And there is a bunch of Halloween content in the pipeline. And as soon as this recording ends, I'm going to talk with Tom and Julia about uh, doubling up for a few weeks and getting some thanksgiving and christmas content ahead of the busy season for a patreon good thinking um and speaking of christmas content so our back half of the year schedule is in flux because we're still waiting for all the release dates for all the new stuff to be released from netflix and apple and hbo and everything like that um we know a bunch of stuff is coming but we don't have the official dates yet but we did get one official date, which I know Tom and Julia are thrilled about. Uh, that's sarcasm, but a lot of people in our Facebook group and Instagram are, story th- are thrilled about it. A Christmas Story Christmas coming out November 22nd. And as soon as I posted that on Instagram, friend of the pod and good friend of the pod and listener April Riley messaged and said she, since she loves the original, she volunteered to be on that one to help, you know, balance it out if I wanted an ally. And it's like, April, I would love to have you on for that one. Nice. <laughs> since the original Christmas Story episode is still one of our most controversial episodes in five years. Sure. So, That's April, looking forward to having you back. I think this is actually going to be your first time this year, maybe. I want to talk to April forever. Yeah. So, that's exciting. That is and exciting. We are going to have Mike Westfall back in October and Jay Skipworth back in October with Ron Hogan. They're both going to come on. Um, so lots of our good friends, and I'm super excited about all of that. Um, I need y'all to look real quick. I'm showing them. Luna, I have her in my lap, our dog. Look at her face. Aww. She's Fozzie Bear for Halloween. Oh, I that's perfect. Waka waka. She's got like major Airedale vibes. At this angle. She does, she does look like an Airedale very much right now with her haircut. Bye. Well, hey, not, we not only yet. have oh, right, we gotta not a long thing. time until Christmas. We only have 3,000 hours until Christmas. That's 125 days, y'all. That's 17 weeks. This is our last August episode. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, we're recording on August 25th where there are actually four days, four months until Christmas. Four months. Four months. Time to bust that Christmas trees out. Yeah, for real.
I'll edit this to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs>